Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's time to talk Rutgers basketball. I'm Bobby Darren here with ScarletNation.com of the 24-7 Sports Network. So happy to have you with us. A lot to talk about in Rutgers basketball. Decision Day is here. Um, the Decision Day, what I mean by that is today is the last day that uh, college players can withdraw from the NBA draft and still maintain their eligibility. This is important for Rutgers because Cliff Amarui and Paul Mulcahy have not said anything yet after declaring for the draft and today we'll know whether they're coming back or not and to help sort this thing out i have my man new 24 7 sports staff writer at scarletnation.com chris Siconis. uh chris great to have you with us thanks for joining us always happy to be on with you bobby all right i appreciate it we're going to try and jump right into it and, and talk because i know this is this is a topic that's on all fans minds let's let's just start first with Paul Mulcahy because I don't think there's as much drama involved I mean everything I've been hearing for the past couple months has been leaning towards Paul coming back I know he had that uh big speech at the at the post game uh the NIT lost to Hofstra and, and he's talking in past tense about playing at Rutgers but everything I'm hearing the buzz around Bayonne is that he'll be back um and I think you know, that will help Rutgers immensely. I, I mean, how do you see that as, as a win for them, Chris? I mean, how big is that for Paul to be back for his fifth and final season? Well, it's it's pretty big for Rutgers uh, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, Paul Mulcahy, when he's clicking, uh, you know, he's a guy that has at times put the team on his back. I mean, I think back last year, probably most notably, and I'm sure there are other examples, the Michigan State game at Madison Square Garden, where Mawat Mag unfortunately goes down with an injury early on. It's a back and forth game for much of the first half. Paul Mulcahy uh, really, really took things into his own hands in that game. And it, it made the difference for the Scarlet Knights. They picked up what at the time was a pretty big win. And, you know, just going beyond what he does on the court, you know, at, at times he can be a really dynamic scorer. He's good at driving to the basket. He's a good playmaker. He's tough. He gets rebounds. He always plays physical, tough defense. Um, but just the intangibles to have someone who has been with the program as long as he had, especially with the new players coming in, that's massive too. Cause you have someone who's really ingrained in the culture of Rutgers basketball. Um, and, and just to have that back in addition to what he can do on the court, which we're all pretty familiar with at this point, I, I think it's massive for Rutgers. And also to, to just sort of put a cherry on that, um, you know, he's a guy that's, as far as a guard goes, he's longer. He can play off ball if that's where Rutgers decides to put him. Rutgers bringing more point guard talent in this year, so it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. But he's a guy that can at times, you know, guard against other wings, guard against potentially even some forwards if you need him to. Um, and that's going to be an area that Rutgers is going to need uh, to be filled and get some more depth there. So I think that'll be a big benefit for Rutgers. Definitely will, you know, and you look at his numbers from last year, Chris, 8.3 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 4.9 assists, shot 41.6% from the field. Uh, Paul doesn't take a ton of shots, but he, he, he's very, uh, you know, you know, he's, he's selective with his shots, uh, I should say. Um, and, and, you know, his assist numbers, even his point totals, they were impacted by the injuries last year. You know, you saw the shoulder. I mean, we've talked about that, you know, multiple occasions. He just wasn't himself. 
But I think getting him back in, and you see that veteran leadership too. I mean, like sometimes when he's clicking, you can see him coming down the court and, and he's just kind of has a connection with some of those guys and they know what's going to happen. And, and he can really, you know, dissect the defense really well. And, and, and that'll be a big win, especially with, with Cam Spencer leaving, you know, you lost some points there and you lost a veteran presence on the floor. But um, I, I think, you know, everybody can kind of, go into today thinking that Paul will be back and I haven't heard anything otherwise. I know he's had some NBA workouts, but, you know, realistically, we don't see him getting drafted and, and, you know, he, he's, he's doing well. He likes it at Rutgers. I mean, it's home for him. Uh, I, I don't see any reason that he leaves Chris. No, no. And, and I mean, if you look at a guy like Paul Mulcahy, I mean, in a lot of ways, he is sort of taking on that mantra of Mr. Rutgers. A lot of times he's been really locked in, um, you know, He's passionate about the program, wears his heart on his sleeve. He has that kind of uh, attitude. And, and that kind of thing is contagious, especially when you know, you're down the stretch, you're in a tough game. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that can put you over the edge and win some very tough games. And that can make the difference in, in your whole season. So um, having that on the table uh, for Rutgers would be huge. And, and you know, uh, we pretty much like, you know, pretty much said we expect him to come back. And let's move on to Cliff now. Um, you know, even more of an impact player because of the lack of front court presence that Rutgers really has. Um, without him, uh, I, I think they're lost down low, especially in the Big Ten when you when you have to bang for 20 games with teams that have a physical presence down in that post. Um, you know, everything is starting to hear is he's going to come back. But, you know, Chris, he had two workouts leading up to this decision day. And I don't know, maybe somebody told him something he wants to hear and, and he sticks it out. Um, what kind of loss would it be if, if Cliff isn't there? I mean, he's a team's leading scorer, 13.2 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game. Um, you know, he's a physical presence on defense. What kind of loss would this be if he somehow surprises us and says, hey, uh, I'm done with college? Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty big, not even just because of the player he is, as good as he is. He's one of the better centers in the Big Ten. You talked about it. You know, he was tied for the scoring lead alongside Cam Spencer. Um, so Rutgers losing both of their leading scores would obviously be big, a big blow. But if you look at who else they have in the front court, and of course, you know, there could be some portal additions, since they could be, there will be. There are open scholarships left and right. Um, but you're not going to get anyone close to what Cliff Amori can put together at this stage of the offseason. So, and, you know, Antoine Wolfolk, he's a guy that I think will develop into a, a, a quality Big Ten caliber center but he's not quite there yet. He's still got a bit of growing to do. I think he's got another season of development before he could get to that level. Um, and, and, you know, alongside him in the front court, I mean, you know, Mawat Mag isn't someone who can necessarily play the five, but when he's healthy, he's going to help. And then you've got someone like Antonio Chol, who is still very much, you know, trying to feel out the college game. The front court is thin as it stands. If Cliff Amore doesn't come back, you know, that, then it just becomes a lot, lot harder for Rutgers to be down low. And that has not gone effects in terms of, you know, rebounding battles. You know, Steve Peichel, his, his whole thing is defense, rebounding, you know, those kinds of things. A lot harder to win those battles if you don't have a, a really tough presence in the center. Something Rutgers has been spoiled with over the last couple of years, really. Um, so it'd be a big loss if he comes back. But on the flip side, if he stays, you know, I think the ceiling for this team just goes a lot higher. Because I actually do like this backcourt that they're they're putting together, especially if Paul comes back. I do think that can do some damage, but you got to find ways to win in the pain in the Big Ten. And Cliff Amore goes a long way towards you being able to do that. And, and yeah, just you don't find guys like that. I mean, you know, there's big guys that have certain 
you know, nuances to their game, but the explosiveness and energy uh, that Cliff brings, you know, when he rips down those thunderous dunks, I mean, it just ignites uh, Jersey Mike's arena. I have to stop myself from saying the rack this year, but, um, I, you know, I, there might be a little more drama in that one because his options are, are a little more um, extensive than, than Mulcahy's would be. So uh, I, I think it'll be a, a, a decision that won't come early in the day. I mean, going through this the last few years, Chris, it was uh, waiting till late for Caleb McConnell, waiting till late for Ron Harper Jr. and uh, Geo Baker as well. They waited till the last day. And uh, so so there may be some nail biting during the day, but but it seems like everything's pointing towards Cliff coming back. And if you look, uh, Steve Peichel made some moves into the transfer portal, uh, not moved, but a push, you know, it talked to some big guys that were out there. Nothing ever really materialized. But, you know, it seems like they're banking on him coming back. And you have that trip overseas. Cliff can get his NIL money. The fact that they're not bringing Spencer back or trying to get in those sweepstakes tells me, you know what, they're saving all this money for Cliff. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, he, he could just, you know, really impact the team. And uh, so so I think we'll have uh, some waiting to do today. But I, I think it'll end well for Rutgers fans, Chris. Yeah, and I'll also say this just to put into context and, of course, a lot of Rutgers fans will remember this, but um, waiting this long doesn't necessarily mean that the player in question is still necessarily thinking about going to the NBA. It could be. In fact, that I'd go out on a limb and say I think there's a good chance that Cliff is using these evaluations not even so much as a can I make the NBA at this point, but more of a, you know, what do I need to improve in my game to make the NBA potentially down the line? And, you know, that was what Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker did, you know, back when they were initially going through the process. It's something Steve Peichel encourages players who are eligible to do. Um, and, and I would argue that that going through that process, seeing that process out could actually do wonders for Cliff's development uh, this offseason. Should he come back and, you know, could make him a more well-rounded player um, because, you know, as good of a job as Steve Peichel and this staff have done developing players like Cliff Amore. And before that, Miles Johnson as well. It's always good to get another set of eyes on you as, as a player and another coaching staff to take a look. It's like, here's what we like. Here's what we think you need to work on. And I think that that's why Steve Peichel likes it when his guys go through this process, even though there is a risk he ends up going pro. If he comes back, you know, you get a lot more, you get a more rounded ass assessment of who the player is. And I think that if that's what ends up happening, it could be a benefit in the long run for Rutgers. Indeed. Indeed. I think every, everybody on in the Scarlet nation is hopeful that, that he returns. And, you know, Chris, I, I don't want to beat this one too long because Cam Spencer is gone now, but you know, uh, Jeff Goodman announced yesterday that he will visit Oklahoma, UCLA, Miami, and UConn. Um, I don't know if he's a he's a fit for some of for all of those programs, but um, you lose him, and um, you know I don't know. It, it is a big loss because Cam, you know, he really, you know, what he impressed me with most last year was was uh, the way he adapted over the course of the season. If you remember that first game against Miami, they really saw a step up in competition. They just smothered him. He didn't do anything. He might, I think, he might have had a couple points that game or or whatnot. Um, and, and then it was like, wow, can this guy really step up? And he did kind of modify his game and and, and managed to still be productive and very productive, I should say. But, um, you know, looking at the roster now, you, you're going to have to probably go into the transfer portal and, you know, you, you're going to have to grab a shooter there. Uh, do you see them 
getting by without grabbing one? I mean, can this team as it is now, as it constructed, really move forward without a, a getting another big scorer? That's an interesting question. I First, I'll say I do think they will get another scorer. I don't know if it'll necessarily be a starter. It could be someone who might play 15, 20 minutes off the bench. And that and that's valuable, though, too, because keep in mind, you've got Noah Fernandes, who maybe isn't the same kind of a player as Cam Spencer. I think he's a little more athletic. Um, and, you know, at times he's shot at a higher clip, although we don't know how that's going to translate into Big Ten play because he hasn't played really a Big Ten slate yet. Um, but I do think that Fernandes fits in a lot of what uh, Spencer was doing last year. So I think from a scoring standpoint, he's actually a good placement to have. What intrigues me the most about this backcourt is, you know, and it, I shouldn't just say the backcourt because I think Gavin Griffiths could actually be the biggest factor here is even without Cam Spencer coming back, you could still have more capable three-point shooters on the floor at a given time when Malat Mag is back as well than you did last year. And that's huge because, you know, I think the big thing with Cam Spencer is, you know, as good of a shooter as he was, he's not a guy that, you know, can take a defender on one-on-one and consistently get open in the way that a Ron Harper Jr. or a Geo Baker or even a Jacob Young could. Um, so that was the limitation. And Rutgers just didn't have enough shooters last year to take the attention off of him. So he was almost always getting, uh, very regularly getting, you know, the opposing team's best perimeter defender. And that, I think, limited a lot of what he could do. Uh, so I think, Rutgers, as it stands, already has the potential to be better from behind the arc, albeit not as good as they would have been if they had Ken Spencer back. Um, but I think if you can get another shooter, even if it's not necessarily a like-for-like replacement for Cam Spencer, you know, I, I actually do think that'll help you. I think the bigger question marks are in the front court for Rutgers than they'd be in the back court. Yeah, good point. Good point. And uh, I can't see them at Miami watching them. They do a lot of one-on-one, you know, off ball screens and and whatnot. I, I just told you when I when I heard he was visited there, I said, wow, they, that just doesn't seem like a match. I do think UConn will be a nice fit. But um, like I said, we're not going to beat that one too long because he's gone and it's on to the future, uh, on to on to uh, a new version of the Rutgers basketball team. And Chris, you you are down in Belmar on Friday and had a chance to speak with a couple players. Um, first, I want to ask about Andre Hyatt. He's back um, he announced he was coming back, but uh, you were the first one to actually speak with him in the media since he returned. Um, you know, what did you get from your conversation with him, and, and what's the feeling you kind of got about his return? Does he seem confident about it, excited? What, what was kind of the mood? Oh, he was definitely excited. Um, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily an instant decision. He announced it in late April, and he talked about it. He said, look, it took, us a few week, it took me a few weeks to get to that point where I, I decided to come back. Uh, you know, he said, I went, I traveled a little bit. I sort of thought about, you know, what I wanted to do. Ultimately, he decided, hey, I like this group that's coming in. He singled out, you know, guys like Gavin Griffiths and Noah Fernandes that are coming in. He talked about, uh, he gave a shout out to the younger guys like Wolfolk, Chol, uh, Simpson as well. Uh, he sounded pretty optimistic about what this group could achieve. Um, and, and I think in terms of what Hyatt brings, you know, he had improved in some categories. He played a bigger role. His minutes went up from 12 to 23 minutes a game. Um, and he's someone who I think he'll never be, I don't think he'll be Rutgers top scorer necessarily or be in that conversation, but he's a good supplemental piece. And I think he could, uh, you know, add some stuff to his game. I asked him about that as well. Um, he talked about how he was adding different offensive elements to his game, focusing on certain things to become a more refined consistent score. Um, and I think if he can make strides in that department, um, you know, he'll be a big asset for Rutgers. And uh, I'm sure no matter what happens with uh, 
uh, Cliff Amore or Paul Mulcahy, Steve Peichel's pretty happy to have Andre Hyatt back in the fold for another year. And, you know, definitely help out with Mag being expected to be on the shelf. I know everybody thinks, or at the start of the season, I, I know everybody thinks, you know, certain guys come back from ACL so quickly, but you have to remember that's major injury, major surgery. Um, so you want to give him ample amount of time to come back and be his old self. But but Hyatt will definitely be asked to play some big minutes, especially early and in the first part of the season. And um, Chris, you were down there. You also had a chance to speak to Derek Simpson. Um, you know, he had a lot of electricity his freshman year. And, and you know, that Indiana game, uh, I don't believe Rutgers wins without him uh, doing what he did. I believe he had 16 points in the second half there, uh, if memory recalls. And, you know, without him igniting that scoring spark, I don't know if they win that game early on in the season. It was kind of a coming out party for him. And we saw a little bit of struggles up and down last year. He struggled shooting from the perimeter, but uh, there's no denying that I don't think anybody on the team can get to the hole quite like he can. So uh, what what was your conversation with him like? What did you gather from him? I mean, did he look a little bigger? I mean, how, how how's the offseason going for him? I, I mean, he looks – I didn't really – off the top of my head, I only talked to him for five minutes. I didn't see a drastic, drastic change in physique, but the energy was certainly there. Um, he sounded pretty excited about how the offseason was going. Um, you know, he lit up when I was asking him about, you know, what are you improving on, stuff like that. And, and look, when you look at Derek Simpson, you look at a guy who he's got that – intangible desire to get to the basket um you know he's got you know the ability to at times make plays when the set breaks down and you just got to create something he's shown flashes of that um i think the big question for me is you know how is he going to develop as a shooter uh his shooting numbers were not where you'd want it to be um you know shooting i think it was just under 22 percent from beyond the arc um you know he was obviously getting most of his points going to the basket and drawing contact um, but if he can develop a little bit more of that part of his game, I think I, I think you could see him not just play a lot of minutes because I think he's going to play a lot of minutes regardless. But I think he could become a much more valuable weapon. Um, but the enthusiasm certainly there. He's all in on this team and on this program. And um, you know, we'll have more coming out on that on the site. But, um, yeah, he, he seemed pretty fired up and ready to go. Yeah, and, and he's back in the fold. Andre Hyatt's back in the fold. You got a lot of players back, and after today, maybe it, it's looking like two more. So uh, we won't, you know, uh, overdo it with, with the anticipation of those decisions. But uh, it's a big day for sure in Rutgers basketball. No matter which way it goes, it'll be a pivotal point uh, towards next season. So, um, you know, on that note, Chris, any closing thoughts you'd like to say about, you know, uh, the state of things as it stands now? Yeah, we're going to know a lot more about what kind of a team Rutgers is at the end of today than we did heading into today. Um, I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but it really is true, not just in terms of what Cliff Amore and Paul Mulcahy bring to the table as basketball players, but it just sets the tone for the rest of the offseason because now, one way or another, the staff knows for a fact either they're having both of them back or they're having one of them back or they're having, you know, we don't expect this, but say neither of them were to come back. That gives the staff a, a clear message to say, okay, we need X, Y, and Z from the transfer portal. Uh, what are our top options, all that? And they're evaluating that stuff now, but it, it does give you a sense of certainty of, you know, what is the plan here? And I think once that happens, things are going to start to fall in place for Rutgers next season. I think we'll get a much clearer picture um, relatively soon as, as far as what kind of the basketball team will be watching come November. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. And we will keep you updated all day long with what we're hearing, uh, the latest news, the latest rumblings, uh, the latest grumblings. I'm sure we have plenty of grumblings 
after the Spencer thing, but hopefully it's all all good stuff moving forward. Um, and we'll be here on ScarletNation.com 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just as we're we're called 24-7 Sports. You can interact with myself and, and Chris and, and all the rest of our staff on, on the site on ScarletNation.com. So for Chris Costonis, I'm Bobby Darren. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.